Hello and welcome to the HR Happy Hour Network. This is the Inclusion Crusade with me, your host, Sarah Morgan. I am on a mission to create workplaces where employees feel safe, seen, and supported one episode at a time. And so in today's episode, I have the wonderful privilege of speaking with Mercedes Johnson. Mercedes is a talent acquisition professional who recently hit the spotlight um, after a viral incident um, online. And so I want to give her the opportunity to tell her story and talk about what she has learned next as a part of this series that I'm doing about protecting Black women. And so Mercedes, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to be here. I know that you have had so much going on in recent weeks because this mm-hmm. uh, this, this incident is still fresh. And so we're going to dive into all of that. But first, I want to ask that key question. You know, here at the Inclusion Crusade, we are on a mission to make workplaces more inclusive and equitable one episode at a time. What do you feel like is your mission? What's your career crusade? I would say that my mission is to empower people to understand how the process works in talent acquisition and to grab a hold of that process and really um, take ownership of their interview process Mm. to navigate themselves in the way that they would like for their career. Also, a really big heart of of mine has been to make sure there's employment for all. I've worked in every scale of job as far as like white collar, blue collar, and and I've loved every part of it, just seeing everybody get a job, whatever, whatever stage they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. And so um, so that people understand more about how you arrived at this as as your mission. Tell us about yourself and just about your career journey. Yes. So um, I actually tried college many of times. Um, my parents <laughs> got me all my parents got me all set up the summer after my I graduated high school. They took me on the the tours and everything. They got me set up for my first day. I had a full ride scholarship for music, and oh, I didn't go. Wow. <laughs> I know I missed out on the scholarship and it was horrible. And I tried college after that probably three more times. And Mm -hmm. I realized that it just wasn't for me. Like I just couldn't get myself to do it. And I didn't want to waste my parents' time and my money. Mm -hmm. So I really was on a mission of how can I live the life that I want without having to have all of that extra stuff that, you know, people say that you're supposed to have. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I really just started working my way up. I mean, I did customer service for probably two solid years until I was in customer service management. And when I got to customer service management, I was doing a lot of like hiring and HR work and everything and staffing. And my manager was just like, have you ever thought about doing recruiting? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I'm good. You know, that was back when rent was like $500 and I'm making, you know, $18 an hour. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm fine. 
Um, and then I realized, you know, like, what's my next step? And so I actually got a job. My first job in talent acquisition was as a sourcer. And I was, so basically what a sourcer is, is when you actually go and find the candidate, whether that be looking on LinkedIn, whether that be, well, you have to do whatever you can do to like find the candidates for these roles. Right. So that's kind of how I got my start because once I did sourcing, I was moved up to recruiting, recruiting to recruiting manager. And I just love every process of it because I've kind of sat in every process of it. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. So that is, here's where I, where I'm interested. You mm-hmm. talking about your exit from college because mm-hmm. we put so much emphasis Mm -hmm. on college education in order for you to achieve success in what we would consider traditional white collar careers Mm -hmm. and yet the skills that you need in order to be successful aren't necessarily things that you are going to learn in college and also you can like you can figure out what you want to do and then do college later. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. for you, if the, if you reached a point in your career where there was some sort of degree that you needed in order to be able to move forward, like in a you know specific sort of way, then certainly, mm-hmm. yeah, let's do it. But to assume that everybody needs to be in college is definitely, um, definitely something that I think we need to, to reevaluate and I love that that is a part of your story that you were like listen I have a full scholarship like I have a full ride to be able to go and yet I still Mm -hmm. don't feel like this is the path for me or this is the time for me to do this and so I'm going to make the decision to walk away from this and to find a different path of what success Mm -hmm. means for me. And there are a lot of people who wouldn't have done that, who would have just suffered through classes Mm -hmm. and whatever, because I can't waste the scholarship. I can't waste this opportunity. The ancestors are watching all, you know, all the things that we tell ourselves, but you made the decision and I'm sure, you know, was not easy to, Mm -hmm. to take a different path. Okay. So listening to you talk about being a sourcer and Mm -hmm. the work being now in the great resignation, sourcing is a huge important thing for people in talent Mm -hmm. acquisition to be able to do. And Mm -hmm. I am learning this kind of trial by fire as I've taken on a new role. and, And while I am hiring, someone to do recruiting and sourcing on my team, I'm having to take on a lot of that myself and having to, you know, reflect some skills, work some muscles (laughs) that I have not had to touch on in a while. Mm -hmm. What is kind of the secret? What would be the advice that you would give to employers right now in this moment, having to fill their jobs and reach out to candidates in in sourcing um, that may not have, you know, once upon a time, you could post a job, you would get a hundred people. Now mm-hmm. you post a job, you might get five. So mm-hmm. what would be, you know, what's the advice that you give to employers and to talent acquisition professionals who haven't had the source before about how to do that and be successful? 
I'm so happy you asked me this question because people don't ever ask this stuff, but it is so important. Um, talent acquisition isn't what it used to be. You know, mm-hmm. we can, as recruiters, we could go to work every day and have 20 and 30 people in our pipeline and just be able to work off of that. And it was totally fine. Now people genuinely don't want to work or um, I feel like as we go along, which is kind of why I made the post that I made originally, as we go along, the understanding of how to get a job, the working process and the interview process is getting lost in the sauce. Mm. And I feel like in order to be a great recruiter, which I think people don't understand is you have to be a networker, a salesperson, a Mm -hmm. people person, an on the phone person, customer Mm -hmm. serve, like you have to have that. And I feel like the key to being, to doing great sourcing is building a great network. Like Mm -hmm. I've spent years building it. Like for right now, somebody, I have people that'll call me and say, Hey, I have two nurse positions open. Well, I take my time on LinkedIn to just add people. Or if I see a post and there's a lot of people on there, I'll just go on there and just start inviting people or um, posting or Facebook groups are huge. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people don't understand, but there's whole Facebook groups for every city that say, want a job Nashville or need a job Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And if you literally just post your jobs in there, people will attack you with, here's my resume, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like as a recruiter, you have to make recruiting your life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important for people to know that you do it. And it's important for you to take ownership of it because really it's like your own business. And yeah. so that's, that's what I would say about that. Like in recruiting, it just, you have to have recruiters that become it. Yeah. <laughs> so It is. And I've always said that as well, that like recruiting is, it either gets into your blood or under your skin. Mm -hmm. Like it's one of those things that you either love it and you're all about it, or you're just like, I hate, you know, Mm -hmm. that I have, you know, this is a part of what I have to do, but it's not my reason for existing. So I agree with you wholeheartedly that there are two, definitely two types of people um, in the talent acquisition world um, for sure. One of the things that you mentioned, you know, in your process of sourcing and what you've been finding, you know, during the pandemic is this idea of like people not wanting to work. Tell me more about what you mean when you say that. Is it really that people don't want to work at all? Is it just that they are being more selective about their opportunities? Is it that they are not, you know, only wanting to work remote? Like, what does what does that mean? So I think that the idea of going to a nine to five is kind of like lost in this day and age mm, nowadays. Yeah, for People sure. People have found a lot of different creative ways to make a living and provide for themselves. And I'm not mad at it. You know, mm-hmm. we've got people working from home, um, doing their own job and making more money that they would make working for a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably not how it used to be. I mean, I wasn't alive back in the day, <laughs> but entre- <laughs> entrepreneurship wasn't as huge as it is right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason why I feel like companies have to get more creative with how they offer positions and what they offer to their to candidates, because I believe we're going into a day and age where entrepreneurship is going to explode um, and, or as you know, there is always that little percentage of 
people that know how to take advantage to get what they need, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's, it's going to explode. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Like I think about my grandparents' generation mm-hmm. and like they, you know, being in the early 1900s, I can remember by the time I was born, my both of my grandparents were near retirement, but mm. they both also always had side hustles. My grandfather <laughs> was an electrician, and so he would, you know, people do work for the church, work for people in the church, work for people in the neighborhood. Um, he would, you know, before Uber was a thing, he was giving rides to people for money and stuff like that, you know. Wow. Yeah, like my my grandmother had her own, you know, side hustle where she worked on sewing and she made hats and stuff for the church. Like they had their, you know, skills and trades and things mm-hmm. that they could do separate and apart from my grandmother was a dietitian. That was her job. She worked at the hospital um, creating menus for the patients who had, you know, special dietary needs. And my grandfather was a supervisor at the Ford plant, the first black supervisor at his Ford plant. And but they took those skills and the talents that they had and they put that to work in addition to, you know, uh, the nine to five jobs that they had. Mm. I think with the generation that followed in a, a lot within the boomer generation and then to follow in the early parts of Gen X we kind of abandoned that for that more corporate lifestyle that um, where you, you know, that we, we see where you just, people just want to work and come home and, you know, collect a 401k Mm -hmm. retirement or a pension or, you know, whatever the case may be. And we're not really seeing that, you know, entrepreneurial spirit and now, so I feel like it's kind of a renaissance now um, to see that start to come back up where people realize, hey, we can't just rely on this nine to five job to to pay me and sustain me, especially mm-hmm. now the pandemic really blew the roof off of it because people went through layoffs and furloughs and reduced work schedules and stuff like that. And it's like, dang, I can't mm-hmm. e- I've been here for X number of years and I can't even count on you to look out for me when times get hard, I really got to get on my hustle. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly in that. And I love how you broke that down so that we can get past this idea of like, it's not that people don't want to work, it's that people don't want to work in on this foolishness. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a whole, there's the other half of that sentence. Like people don't want to work like they did before. Like there's a whole mm-hmm. other half to that sentence. And it's real easy to just write people off like, you know, we're lazy humans and we don't want anything. No, it's actually that we want more and we want different Mm -hmm. than what has been offered to us before. And can I just say something about that point? Mm -hmm. I actually have a friend whose mom was a baby boomer and now we were kind of having a discussion and he was saying, well, her, his mom kind of worked her 20 years at her job. And now she's at a point in her life where she doesn't know herself doesn't know what to do with herself and I feel like you know they always talk about us this new generation of how we're crazy and we're out the box and you know we're against the grain but I feel like we know who we are though Mm -hmm. yeah and so I love it yeah Mm -hmm. that's an excellent point so I want to dive into the 
incident that happened to you online mm-hmm. and the subsequent fallout that you're still living through um, as a result of that. So tell, walk us through what happened and, walk, and then what has been the impact of that on you. Yes. So it was just a normal day in the life Friday, you know, (laughs) and actually I post things about the talent acquisition process and job and salary all the time on my Facebook. So I didn't think that this post would kind of take any different tone. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was on my lunch break and I posted the post about the salary negotiation and the conversation that I had with um, the woman and I went back to work and I got off work and I was viral. Yeah. And for those who may not know what the post said was that the candidate had asked for 80,000, but the position actually had a salary max of like a hundred and 120, 130,000. And that as the talent acquisition professional, like you, with everything you got going on, you didn't have time to walk the candidate through what that negotiation process is. And so you, and I believe you hashtagged it with like, always negotiate, always be confident or something along those lines. And then that whole thing went, went viral. What were, what was the immediate response? What was, what was it that people were saying to you in in those initial moments? So right off the bat, I got that I was lowballing the candidate. Some people even said that the candidate was black and I hate black women. Like I never said in the post what the candidate's race was. Um, There was a lot of people saying that I was a horrible recruiter. Like it just went off the handle for that post. (laughs) And then I remember, so that happened on a Friday. Mm-hmm. I remember it first hit me sometime Saturday mm-hmm. um, when someone tagged me in a post and was like, hey, I would love to get your, you know, comments on, you know, how you feel about this whole situation. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading the post and I remember saying to my saying to myself, and I know I said it in the comment and in several subsequent comment sections I I've been there like Mm -hmm. what struck me about this and the reason why and shortly after that I reached out to you and was like look like we've all been there I'm not going to vilify you you know in this moment Mm -hmm. the way that a lot of people were like I was fascinated by the story of it um but there and there were some moments too where I got mad because I have been there at moments Mm -hmm. in my career where the candidate may have asked for the lower end of the range. The candidate may have not even been in the range, you know, in terms of what it was that they wanted, but I wasn't approved to give them more than what it was that they asked for. And I didn't have an option on Mm. what it was, you know, that I could do. So I knew what that felt like, you know, um, to be in that sort of situation and to assume that, that you had no dissonance, that you automatically hate people, that you had no, um, you know, feelings about it at all. Nobody knew that. Like we added so much context and mm-hmm. and um, extra sauce to the whole situation when we really didn't know. And then I ended up somehow on Instagram 
And that was when I saw you in one of the comment sections and we interacted briefly. And then when I went to your page and saw people were commenting on posts that wasn't even that post, mm-hmm. calling you all out of your name, calling you all kinds of B word, N word, wishing harm upon you and your family. Like I couldn't even believe how out of control it became and I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself like hey let's we disagree you know disagree with what you posted and how you handled the situation like we can have intellectual discourse about how that could have been handled differently or better we can do that all day and all of us need to be coachable in that way that's totally fine but to suddenly like get this holier than thou attitude and to wish harm upon a person over something like that to me was just like whoa like I can't even believe that we're acting like this and then where I really fell deep into like a LinkedIn argument was about you know someone saying you know shame on this person they shouldn't even be in talent acquisition they shouldn't have anything to do with HR at all and I was like no Shame on the systems that made this necessary. Shame on the the society that does not believe in equal pay for equal work. Shame on a company. I don't even know. I found out later where you was working, but I don't even, I'm like, why are we at the point where we asking the candidates what they want to make versus telling them what we going to pay you? Why are we still doing that? Because that's, that's a problem. Like, it shouldn't even matter what she was making before. This job at our company pays $120,000. So she, she could have been making $5 an hour before. It doesn't matter what she makes here, what her skill, if she has the skills and abilities to be able to do this job at this company, this is what we pay for that. We're not worried about what you were making before. So, mm-hmm. you know, and shame on the all of that, not shame on the person because you can only do what you have the the authority to do within the role and the constrictions that you've been given. So all of that just um just really really struck me. And so I'm curious to know how did this play out with you with your employer because there were lots of people who tagged your employer and were like and I don't know if you're even able to tell me because again just letting the listeners know like this is still fresh. But how, how did that, if you're allowed to say, how did that play out? So it was really unfortunate because the company that everybody was tagging and talking about wasn't even the company that this situation happened at. I was working, (laughs) I know I was working full-time for a company, but I also do freelance work for some people around Atlanta. Okay. And so I was doing, I was actually on a project and that's where this situation happened. Not at the company that everybody was tagging. And as a result of that, I actually lost my job. I know. And so it was a little unfortunate because I love that company. I love all the companies that I've worked for and I get it. You know, people don't understand that when you become a recruiter, they train you to exactly what they want you to do. And Mm. you've got five to 10 minutes to talk to somebody before you have to move on to somebody else, Mm. you know? And that was what I was trying to convey is 
if you allow a company and if that is the system and I would it's unfortunate now that companies are asking you you know what do you want to be paid and then ask then paying you that but if you allow a company to tell you your worth your worth will only be how much they have to give you mm-hmm. but if you come in there knowing where you want to grow to and what you want then if the company can't offer you that then move on you know there mm-hmm. will always be a company that has um, the pay that you want. But yeah, it was extremely unfortunate for the job yeah. thing. So now you're doing your contract, you're continuing to do your contract stuff um, on the side. Do you feel like you will, do you even want to re-enter a, a traditional corporate space having gone through this experience? Absolutely, because I feel like you can't be a change if you step out of something. This, I I know people tried to break me, and I know, Mm -hmm. you know, I even saw a guy put my address on Twitter, (gasps) which, by the way, I want to make note that that is doxing, and I can file charges over that. Mm -hmm. But um, I know that people tried to break me, and I know people tried to tear me down, and but. I, feel, I believe that the post, no matter how I could have reworded it or whatever, did 100% of what I wanted it to do because now mm. people will go in the interview process and think differently about the things that they do and how they sell themselves. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, I'm not going to step away from it. I believe that it was unfortunate, the situation, but I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. You mentioned the incident on Twitter with, um, with you being doxxed. Mm-hmm. And I know that, that I, like I said, I saw the, the things that were, were posted towards you on Instagram. And I know, that, and I saw a lot of the conversation um, on LinkedIn. Do you feel like these online platforms were appropriately supportive? Um, of you in when this incident occurred do you feel you do I'm so glad to hear that tell me tell me more oh you do not absolutely not okay all right because this is this is the reality of it is I can post something against I can you know by happenstance post something against the president can you hear me Mm mm-hmm I said by happenstance um somebody can post something against the president or Somebody can post something against, um, you know, a person and they're supposed to be taken down. But literally, I've been told on my post that I should die. And there was a whole campaign um, created against me, a GoFundMe created against me to to get revenge on me. And I like cannot believe how these platforms are allowing these posts to stay on there I mean on my website I got thousands of hate mail mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and I just believe it's unfortunate because it, co- it goes back to the culture we're in today I feel like if somebody is keeping the buzz up it's okay because these platforms know okay if they're on here that means that we're, we're getting the views and we're getting the lot. You know what I mean? We're getting the the screen time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I want to also make another comment is shame on, on some of these news people or these news platforms that take stories and just switch them for, so that they can get popularity. I mean, where has the world went? (laughs) Yeah. What 
have you had any communication with them, like in reporting the posts or anything like that to, you know, let them know um, how unprotected, you know, they've left you? Like you mentioned the GoFundMe, like there, have you reported those things and what has the response has been to that? No, I didn't report anything because mm -hmm. I feel like, like myself, there's so many others that have went through this process. And I feel like I didn't want to shut all of my things down because there was some good supportive um, comments and stories that were in okay. there. And I wanted people that didn't support to kind of be able to reflect on another opinion besides their own. Yeah. And so, you know, social media will always be social media. And no matter if I continue to report my posts, social media will just always be social media. And so I feel like the best thing to do is just to bring awareness to it, to change the person and not really the platform. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough because I hear, we hear so much online chatter, you know, and, and I just finished um, the inter an interview with another guest, Dr. Kimia Nuru-Dennis, who had experienced something similar um, a couple of years ago when she said, um, you know, these, the curriculum in schools is not, you know, teaching sufficiently, you know, the full history of our nation and, you know, we should just burn those books and start again. And so they're like, oh, you in favor of burning books. And, you know, it all just went from there. And, um, but she said, you know, these platforms really are not made for us. And so mm -hmm. they take this idea, you know, because you, and they turn it into the hashtag, you know, protect black women, listen to black women mm -hmm. until something like this happens and then the protections simply are not there mm -hmm. I like the idea that that there was like a hit fund out there on mm -hmm. GoFundMe for you because you made a post about not negotiating in favor of a candidate as though you don't deserve the opportunity to learn from your mistake to grow from your mistake and to continue living life period mm -hmm. like that that somehow this single mistake it should end your career end your existence end your like how sad and small do you have to be to treat human beings that way and to think that 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 kind of thing is okay um what would you like to see these platforms do differently for, for the next person? What could, you know, if, if there is someone who's taking up this, this cause, um, if there was something that you would want to, to share with someone who's experiencing this, what would you want these platforms to do differently in, in these types of incidents? And this is a tough question because I'm not even sure what they could do differently because mm -hmm. in the, on the other hand, there's so much positivity on, that on these platforms and there are true people out here using them positively, yeah, you know, yes, but I agree with 
yeah, with everything that you do, there's always going to be some type of perversion, you know, mm-hmm. where somebody goes in and perverts it. And I just was kind of blown away that my post was kind of dragged because, you know, <clears throat> we see things on television that, um, that even influence our, our kids to like, you know, do harm to other people. I mean, it's just so many other things that people can drag and attack. Yeah. You know, but as far as the platforms, I'm just not, I'm just not sure. I think, like I said, I feel like it has to be an us thing because mm. more people just need to use it for, for what they, for positive. Yeah. Yeah. You got, it's like, you have to drown out, drown mm-hmm. out the, the darkness with light. I totally get that. And you're right about the fact that there's positivity that can come out of that because you and I wouldn't be talking right now if, mm-hmm. if, if we hadn't stumbled, you know, into a comment section together and then slid in DMs and had conversation and went from there. Like none of that would have happened. So they're definitely, and there are lots of people that this show, quite frankly, is, is a result of that. You know, the Mm -hmm. original creators of um, HR Happy Hour, the, the current producers of HR Happy Hour are people that I met through Twitter and we, you know, we connected became friends and then when the opportunity presented itself for for us to create within the platform a show specifically with the with a lens on inclusion you know they came to me and said what do you think and here we are so yeah you're right mm-hmm. you know there is a lot of opportunity out there to to do good um from these incidents and so you just have to find ways to drown that noise out so I, I guess my question becomes, how are you now? And how are you, what, you know, how are you feeling and getting the support that you need to kind of recover and, and move forward and stay like in peace um, with all of this still happening around you? So I'm going to be honest, it was challenging. I mean, going from living a quiet life to in a couple of hours being like everybody's talking point Mm -hmm. was very challenging and I've never been faced with so much hate you know Mm -hmm. from that and so it was challenging the first week or so but one thing that I did realize is that um these the people who are commenting they don't know me you know Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. nothing in the comments that there's nothing in that post that says anything about who I am who I am as a person, you know, and so um, I've just learned from what it is that happened and learned that I need to curate my, the way that I word things better. And Mm. I've really learned from the situation as I do, as I do try to learn from every situation. Mm -hmm. And so right now I'm just pulling myself back together and getting back in the workforce with my, the job with talent acquisition Mm -hmm. and just trying to find a way that I can be more of a voice to this situation, but really just getting back to purpose. I mean, I just feel like everybody needs a chance to just move forward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what can our listening audience do to support you and, and your work as you go forward? I would just say to support me, I would just say continue to um, 
fight for yourself in, mm. in, in your life and in your career, you know, you know what you've put in, put into your life and you know, your work ethic and you know what your goals are. And I think my only goal was to make sure that everybody knows that they can hit their goals whenever they want and they can create their own stride so I think it helps me to know that other people are doing that for themselves and that the things that I went through weren't in vain that is beautiful thank you thank you so much Mercedes for sharing your story and for and for continuing to just share your your positive light you you that radiates like it really really does oh thank you despite you know what I know has got to be incredibly difficult um to navigate you have remained like very graceful through it all and that I know could not have been and cannot be um an easy thing to do and not like that's required of you because that's you know the one thing that I advocate for is like let people feel their feelings whatever that absolutely um but I do do think that it's commendable the way that you've been able to really kind of hold hold it together and to stay positive on people and experience throughout what has gone on so if people do are you still online if people do want to connect with you on the socials what is the best way for them to do that absolutely I'm still everything is still open they can still um come to my Instagram my Instagram is the Mercedes Johnson my Facebook is Mercedes S Johnson um they can go to my website and even make a comment you know talk to me I'm on there um, I didn't close anything because I'm not a coward yes. <laughs> and I wanted people to be able to express themselves. Um, even on my YouTube, I think I'm going to be posting a little bit more, um, videos. I had mm-hmm. it, I had it videos up, but I had to take them down because some of those videos did kind of share a little bit about like where I live and what side of town. And I didn't oh, want, yeah. you know, yeah. so, but there'll be more, I'm mm-hmm. not going to let this get me down. Absolutely. Well, I am glad to be connected and glad to provide whatever support that I can. And I thank you again, just for taking this time to, to talk with me. And I look forward to seeing you rise like a phoenix um, throughout all of this. Thank you to the listening audience. I hope that you gained a lot from this episode and I hope that you will think about this the next time that you see something online posted by someone that's controversial and that you may dislike or disagree with still remember that there is a a human on the other side who may just need a little more grace a little more peace a little bit of an opportunity to live learn rebound make it right And like Mercedes said, get back to their purpose. So once again, I just want to thank you for listening to the HR Happy Hour Network Inclusion Crusade. We are still on a mission to make workplaces more inclusive one episode at a time. And we'll see you next time.